0: Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 8, Season 2 of Leafs Guy. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. David Alter from the Hockey News will be here. We'll talk about the Leafs' run. It has been gorgeous, magnificent, and thrilling to watch. And all questions basically answered for this point in early December. Plenty of season left, plenty of runway left, as they like to say. Before we get there, football fans, I'm sure we'd all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Wow, that is really marvelous. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, Area, you can still get in on NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Guy, Guy, what is it? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with the promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So where are we with the Leafs? Well, we're at the top. This team is hot. 8-3 over Colorado on Wednesday night. An interesting performance. Maybe the best first period, minus the last two seconds, of any Leaf game this year. They moved through that neutral zone with ease. They looked very good. Had a 3-0 lead. Unfortunately, Colorado scored with two seconds left in the period. Then Colorado scored early in the second. There was a bit of an adjustment by the Leafs. And on they went, 8-3, after coming back home on a sweep road trip winning on Long Island, in Los Angeles, in San Jose, and in Anaheim. That trip is very impressive. 8-3, the best, uh, or the best scoring performance by the Leafs all year long. They had a 6-2 win in Los Angeles, but 8-3, everybody got into it. Austin Matthews shaved and was faster. That's what they say. Had three goals and just a dangle in front on the blue ice. That, uh, it's a groin pull if you look at it on the highlight reel. It's that good. Well, let's get into our conversation with David Alter from the Hockey News. All right, David, you know, when you look over the last sample size and it's large and it's very successful, uh, and I don't know if the icing on the cake was the win over Colorado on, on Wednesday night, but I'm I'm sort of there mentally. Um, when you look back on that large, successful sample size, what does that tell you about this hockey team?
1: Look, I think it, it tells you that they're buying in and executing on consistency, playing well defensively, and they're actually now catching up for the goals scored that maybe they felt they should have had earlier in the year that they didn't get. I mean, the one thing that stood out for me uh, the other night was that over, the, over their last four games, they scored 21 goals, and that's the most they had for the total of October. Now, granted, October was nine games, but that's a lot of goals in a short period of time. So for a team where their identity is their offense, it finally caught up. Yet now they have all the good defensive things uh, that they've worked on over the last season, really, but carried over into now that they've been performing better at. And um, now they've got they've got an all around game. They've got the goaltending, and it's early, and but the sample size has been pretty good. That they've got a complete package right now as to how they're going to be successful going forward
0: yeah I, I agree with that um and, and and the game wednesday night when i did at the end of it was i did the i, I call it the eye test i took the numbers out i took the eight three score out i took the austin matthews performance out and just sort of did a sketch on, on how they won that game they started they had probably the best 19 minutes in that first period that they played all year um, and then a bit of a a bit of a setback but they bounced back through that and the underlying story there is probably four or five point blank saves by Jack Campbell that that really probably are buried somewhere in the game summary but but these are all the elements if you take the numbers out these are all the elements if you go back to all the other wins all those elements are there
1: yeah they are and I mean the the, the number one thing there was apart from the couple of those saves that you mentioned from Campbell uh what Colorado did well in that in that A3 game, it's hard to point out a lot of good things, but they capitalized on the very few opportunities that they had, which made that very close in that second period. And the Leafs didn't kind of pull back. They didn't they didn't think that, oh, well, despite everything that we're doing here, they they brought it to within a goal so that this could be, you know, uh, a real turning point in the game. They managed to kind of stick to what was going well for them and pull away from them into that third period because of it. So uh, the fact that they're able to get the goaltending from Jack when, when there was a bit of a a setback uh, that, that defensively they were really playing well in that opening period. And then later in the third and then getting the goals to catch up for them, it it speaks well, but again, it's, it's great. The November has been good. The first game in December was good. Uh, it's made up for maybe some of the shortcomings we talked about in October. Uh, We'll see what happens going forward because there's still that pessimistic view that there's still a lot of games to play and a lot of figuring themselves out and making sure they don't plateau too early going into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of time left, no question about that. And a lot of things still have to happen to this roster. So let's go down that road. And I think the thing that over the last couple of weeks that, that really sticks to the wall is the return of Bunting with Matthews and uh, Nylander. I mean, that works, doesn't it?
1: It does. And, uh, I mean, that's a big change that they made when they didn't even really need to make that much of a change. Uh, since Bunting's been reunited to that first line, the team is undefeated. Uh, they they fell to nothing to the Pittsburgh Penguins at home before going on that four game road trip, and uh, Sheldon Keith liked what the team provided in that regard, and decided to keep the the group together but change three of the four lines, moving Bunting from the fourth line to the first line, and uh, the end result of that was a guy who can create space for some of the talented players along. With Matthews and Marner on that top line, and then right. and then also with Nylander in the in the times that Matthews was paired with Nylander on that on that top unit, but he he's he's a guy who's proven himself that he should be a part of the regular top six, even though he's on that show me what you can do kind of two year deal. Uh, he he's been pretty much what they were looking for, especially I don't want to say he's a Zach Hyman light, but he's kind of bringing the Zach Hyman like attributes that allow for the stars to do what they they can do on on the top line so that's been a perfect fit i don't see that changing anytime soon and um now it's just a matter of finding the other roles for the third and fourth line guys because as guys move in and out of the lineup that changes quite a bit
0: yeah so let me amend matthews and marner i had nylander up there but it's changed so many well, times it, it did happen that, that yeah, was yeah yeah
1: a, a lot the lines have changed a lot and that was a line formation earlier in the season for sure
0: yeah. But Bunting, you know, when I watch him play now, he's figured out a way um, how to complement or add to his line mates, which I think before there was a search there, but but now I think he knows what to do out there and it either keeps the play going or contributes by drawing a penalty. I mean, he's pretty, pretty industrious, isn't
1: he? Yeah. Well, it's his ability to get to the net, like the, the no fear crashing the net without putting your team at risk. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing when players do that and create space for the, their line mates, but then he knows how to ride the hockey unwritten line of what's it going to take before I get called for something like this. Uh, because the, the the number one pet peeve for a lot of teams when taking penalties is offensive zone penalties. And he's not, he's not doing that. He's, he's managing to figure out the way to kind of get under the skin of the opponents uh, crash the net make it difficult take the eyes away but at the same time not put his team at risk by going a man down and that's that really is a complete package in terms of what you're looking for out of a a skilled pest for lack of a better way of putting it
0: yeah the other thing that comes out of that wednesday game for me and it's not going to be relevant for quite some time but the joey anderson debut was was noteworthy and uh, just adds to the depth
1: yeah, I mean, look, it's it's very odd to see a, a Toronto Maple Leaf player these days make a debut on anything above a fourth line, and and the difference in minutes between a third and fourth line is about six or seven minutes. Joey Anderson played thirteen minutes in a key yeah. role last night, and he he was he was effective in it. He wasn't noticeable in a good way because as a checking line, you've got to make sure that you've got your defensive responsibilities set. And for a guy who's only played one NHL game last season, he played against the flames in the one game that Jason Spezza arrested last year. Uh, I thought he, he played pretty well in that role. And uh, that's important because as the Leafs look to depth, you know, a lot of people question, well, they got rid of Andreas Johnson, who's having a good couple of years with the New Jersey devils. Is that player that they're going to get back going to be anything or, Or is that going to help them in any way, even though that move was primarily done for cap relief purposes? Well, yeah, it has. And like guys need to be able to step up and uh, for someone like an Anderson to come in, unlike Clifford, who played on the fourth line to kind of move up and go into the third line and play a lot of minutes. I think that speaks volumes to kind of where he's at right now and where the team's depth is.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, limited time for him because Cash is coming back. So Kasha comes back. Mikheyev is about to come back. Uh, so when Mikhaev comes back, somebody's out. Who do you figure that is?
1: That's going to be a really tough question, um, because if you go by performance, I think it has to be Nick Ritchie, because yeah. Nick Ritchie's on the fourth line. He had some assists. They've been pumping his tires a lot about the good things that he's done. But a lot of that is compensatory to the fact that he's a two and a half million dollar player who has not scored a goal this season. And I don't like I know that they've rested Spetsa. They've rested Spetsa once last year. They rested Wayne Simmons once this year. He wasn't happy about it. And he's only performed really well since that time uh, that when you look down on the fourth line, there's only one other name that sticks out there. And yep. it, it's got to be Nick Ritchie, but I think they're worried about the optics of what that might do to him because I think they're worried about his state and just keeping his confidence up and having him be a scratch. I don't think really helps that. So uh, look, mikaev is ideally what Sheldon Keefe said is mikaev's is uh, a shutdown player for them. Someone where when they had him on the third line every day last year, they liked that role for him. And even though it looked like at the start of the season they were going to try him on that second line with uh, Tavares and Nylander, I don't think you can put him in that spot after how much time he's missed right now and how well Kerfoot has fit in on the left wing. So uh, that that puts Mikhaev on the third line. Um, you move Engval down to the shutdown fourth line. And you might be able to get away with resting Engval, but I, I don't think it's the right move. I think um, Richie's got to be the one that you have to sit in a fully healthy lineup.
0: Yeah. You know, to your point about uh, looking after him, I I think they've done that uh, over the course of uh, the first uh, 2022 games where they have sort of not protected him, but, but give him, gave him an opportunity to succeed. He just didn't produce.
1: Well, he didn't produce. And then at some point or another, you got to have, you kind of have to, you know, bring the leash in I guess for lack of a better way of putting it like you have to be like okay enough's enough already like we're, we're doing all this other stuff there's guys coming back you can't you have to earn your spot and it's one thing yeah you do a flash green and it leads to a goal and you do some of these other things but I, I just I think if there's a rotation of who's got to go out first it's Nick Ritchie I think they've done everything they can to try and find a fit for him. He's the only player this season who's played on all four lines. Yeah. Like they've really tried yeah. to figure out some spot for him on the wing of one of the four lines. And it it doesn't seem to be working. And I feel like there's just no more bullets in the, in the gun to try and fire to kind of get that when you have a fully healthy lineup. When you don't have a fully healthy lineup, sure, put them in. Put them in somewhere. There's a role, I'm sure. But in a fully healthy lineup, I think he's the first guy out.
0: Well, look, Jack Campbell's had just a a great run. It was a bit of a question mark because uh, you know anointed as the starter and had never done that before, but he has responded. Uh, You know, second star for the month of November. His numbers are ridiculous: one twenty-seven GA, nine fifty-nine save percentage, and three shutouts. Nine two and zero in that month, the trick is to get Morazic back in and and form some sort of a rotation, almost a return to what they would expect. And and I don't know if there's a setback there than Campbell, because it might upset his rhythm, but it has to happen. Doesn't it?
1: Yeah. And it will, I don't think that it would set him back. I think if anything, the Leafs are not, not, I won't say they're not pleased, but I don't think it's ideal for them, for Campbell to have played as many games as he has, even if they are managing it well. And he's, doing fine with it i do think that they want to like they want to have some sort of pitch count on him just to preserve both goalies for the playoffs because goaltending depth is going to be an issue it is already joseph wall was stiff after last practice he didn't actually take part in the main session and wasn't able to back up the other day there's going to be There's going to be these concerns, and the last thing the Leafs want is to kind of have that with Campbell. They've actually been very fortunate, given what happened with him last year, that there has not been a reprise of that in this month where he's had to play a lot of games. Or if there has been, he hasn't shown it and he's managed it okay. So um, having Mrazic back helps the Maple Leafs because it really just allows them to kind of go maybe maybe they don't do the even split like they envisioned because of how well Campbell's rhythm is but uh you're even seeing it with wall when he came in he played in a game that was not necessarily a back-to-back in that game in San Jose so so you're gonna see more of that because it's just it behooves them to get Campbell rested and make sure he's in optimal shape for for the playoffs because that's really what this is all about
0: what is the biggest takeaway for you for this this nice run they've been on? Like, what what is the what has been defined here for you?
1: I think their focus. I think that, um, despite the fact that there's been times to kind of let up and feel good, they haven't let that feeling seep in. The number one thing from a player anecdote that I think proves that is William Nylander when he says that, um, you know, everything that they went through last year just kind of is still in their mind and they 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 want to know, they want to push that away and that's still on the front of their mind despite all their success. I think that's that's a good sign for them that they're not, like they say to forget and all that stuff for mental space and that's, that's important, but I think they need to have that chip on their shoulder if they're going to plow through here and it's good to see that that chip is still kind of there despite the fact that they are the hottest team in the nhl right now in the regular season so um the fact that their focus has been there and that they have not taken days off which was part and parcel the focus i wasn't sure how that strategy was going to work but it turns to actually turns out to actually be pretty good for them so i think the fact that everyone's on board with that i think Kind of speaks to maybe a turning of the page of the attitude of this team. I think that's the focus and attitude has really stood out to me.
0: So a couple things uh, from the, the the distance that I watch from uh, that stand out for me. One of them I'm going to call uh, situational management, um, and that involves game situation management and also team management in terms of how to prepare people. So you come back from the West Coast and on Tuesday you work the guys really hard, and I thought that was brilliant because you know when you, you're Adjusting to that time difference, um body wants to sort of pick its own way. But if you force it, uh, a, as they did, I thought that was really a big contribution on how they started the game on Wednesday night because they'd worked hard the day before and probably had a pretty good rest. So, so those type of things, just just being smart about about how to succeed. Don't know if we saw a lot of that in the past.
1: Yeah, and this is their first real test of kind of doing it last year. Yeah, they did go across the country, but they had days where they could stay in the city. Yeah, like they would go across to Alberta, but then they play five games in a row there. So they would be able to get acclimated and and kind of make it feel like a home while on the road. We're here now. They're constantly jumping. So they've kind of had to adjust that strategy. And I don't know if this is directly Keith's idea or what the sports scientists have figured out. But um, he's right about the fact that that first home game is always kind of the the leeway to kind of have a letdown but the fact that they treated it like that it was an extension of the road trip was probably the right call in the end because they were able to just kind of plow and push through it with the day off on the horizon that they can look forward to that and really push through and get through that, even though they are going right back on the road the next day after practice. Um, I think that was a sound strategy. Uh, They didn't get any, help from the schedule because it was weird to have a northern california date in between two southern california dates yeah so that didn't help them in that regard so i think the fact that they were able to just kind of plow and push through it and and um not let being home seep in as an excuse to kind of take their foot off the gas worked and i think a lot of that was the the opponent too i think that's easy to convey that message when it's the colorado avalanche and harder to do when it's the buffalo sabers at home like, yeah. I think that 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 played a role in it as well.
0: Yeah, that that West Coast thing uh, in the old days would be uh, you're in L.A. one night in, in Anaheim, the next door or the reverse of that. And then you'd go off to San Jose. Uh, I, it was always a setup. So I, I actually kind of liked that they were in L.A. Uh, on the San Jose and, and gaps I over to like Anaheim. It, I know you, I had you had to, to do it. it. <laughs> well, you had to change hotels in the old days. You just stay in the same hotel.
1: It, it was Perfect. tiring and I'm not playing. So um, I'll tell you that much. And in, in the age of traveling with yeah. everything else you have to deal with these days, yeah. it, it was tough. But so like I, I had to I needed some mental coaching to kind of keep my focus and, yeah. and and make sure that my A game was ready for what I was doing as well.
0: Okay. The other thing that jumps off the page for me is uh, certainly watching the game on Wednesday night in the building. When you look down the ice, I mean, this team is clearly defined now. I I think you might agree with that. Uh, You know what each line is is going to do. Um, The left wing situation seems to have stabilized as opposed to the the constant blunder that was there. Uh, The third and fourth lines have really defined themselves well. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I I do. I I mean, the third line is a bona fide checking line that, that's primary mission is to kind of help relieve some of the responsibilities that the other two lines had to be relied on last year. And you saw that with someone like David camp, taking a lot of the defensive zone face-offs and matchups against one of the top two lines on a nightly basis has allowed the stars to kind of free up and, and kind of go And the fourth line uh, gives them a little bit more energy because they've got skill. On that line. When you've got yep. Simmons and Spetsa, who have been perennial mid to top line guys, Spezza, especially a top line guy for much of his career, uh, you're maximizing their minutes as they get later in their careers. It's actually the perfect veteran line in that regard to kind of give an overall rest there. And Uh, I think the number one thing that stands out from the second line is Alex Kerfoot finding a defined role after being this versatile guy who kind of moves around, could play center, could play wing, could play second line, third line, bouncing up and down. He's really kind of helped solidify William Nylander's defensive game, which makes him an absolutely crucial element of that second line. So um, I, I think that they have that good mix there that things are defined for sure.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, when you play Colorado and you see uh, Kadri out there, and uh, he, had a, he had a good night, although the, the team didn't, um, you realize, you can look back on it now and realize what it would take to replace on the Leaf roster Kadri. And so what it takes is Camp, Kerfoot, and Bunting, really. It takes those three guys in, in, to to sort of backfill on, on what he brought to the team, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Nas and Kadri was a perfect third-line center for them in that one year that they had. It was like the probably the best depth at that position at the league at the time and but we were criticizing their depth at d like i mean we still kind of do but especially then like there were holes there and um what they did then was kind of just nazim kadri had a lot of the bad with the good like even to this day what 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 stood out to me about nazim kadri as good as a player as he is Is when he was asked directly in his morning skate available for the game why he thought it didn't work out in Toronto. You know, he didn't own up to what was the obvious, which was that some of the edge of his game got him in trouble. And while he's not going to change that element of his game, he's got to be smart about those things. Instead, he just kind of put, he just kind of passed the buck and said, Well, you have to ask them. And that was why that trade happened. I know, but it continued
0: on in Colorado, which is, you know...
1: (laughs) Yeah, it did. And so, look, there's a lot of good about Nazem Kadri's game, and he's unapologetic for it, and you can respect him for that. Um, But there are times where that's going to be a liability. And so the Leafs saw it fit at that time, where they can add an offensive defenseman and get a winger who has term that can play up and down their lineup, even though... Nazim Kadri might be the better overall player there were those elements that set the team back it was flashpoints right it's beyond the analytics it's beyond all the other good things that Kadri does it's judgment and that's that's essentially what it came down to and that's why a lot of fans were so polarizing about Kadri they they loved him when he was on their team and doing good things for them but then in those situations where they needed him the most. He wasn't available because of something he did, even though he felt he was just retaliating or he wasn't in the wrong. The league has weird rules like that, and he just couldn't maneuver around them. No, and
0: it's a, a repeated uh, offense. So I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's that sticks to the wall. I'm just going back to you know, Camp actually has the the, uh, the Cadre defensive abilities on the third yep. line. Perfoot brings the offense that 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 he brought, and Bunting brings that ability to draw penalties, which was key for Cadre as well.
1: For sure, yeah. So they have spot filled with those roles. And um, I mean, obviously, you'd like a guy who can do all those things and and multiple versions that can do multiple things. Uh, But the Leafs have found specialists in that role. They've kind of been forced to in a lot of ways, just given the way their cap is constrained, that they have to find value. They've certainly found value in camp. I was one of the ones who was kind of on the fence about what he was going to bring just because didn't know a lot about him. Wasn't quite sure if he was the right fit, but I kind of understood it was kind of going against the grain from what they have. And if you want to build a complete team, you've got to pick, you got to have polar opposites of each other that kind of make you a more all around team. So I kind of got it and it's worked out really well. Um, And, uh, and bunting was another value, value pick where we didn't know, but at least this contract was very no risk because if it didn't work out, you can completely bury it. It's the Richie one that has risk. And that one's the one that has not worked out right now. But Kasha's worked out despite health concerns. Uh, A lot of the the buy low, sell high plays have worked for the Maple Leafs so far this season. I want to stress so far.
0: Yeah, and so when we talk about Cadrian and also when we talk about Zach Hyman, these are great hockey players. There's no question about it. But based on the league, uh, the Leafs' salary cap situation, they can't really afford to pay one guy to do all those things. They've got to sort of break down the job description and get it from a collection of other people. Now, bunting, as I said, brings that ability to draw penalties and, and does uh, bring some of what Zach Hyman brought to the table in that he can play with Matthews and Marner or Matthews and Nylander. Uh, there are other missing elements from Zach Hyman that the lease will miss. And and I don't know that they've replaced all of them at this point, but it's an ongoing process. It, it, I mean, you, you can't replace a void like that in one year.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they're kind of hoping that it was just a collection by committee that someone was going to stand out. I think Richie was probably the expected Hyman replacement in terms of what he had already accomplished, like a 15 goal scorer in 56 games the previous year. You know, projected over a full year, that's that's about Hyman like production in terms of offense. Um, but someone who could also beyond the power play which which he is on that second unit which doesn't get as much time as a as the loaded first unit but um you know he's been there and he's not it, it, it just hasn't been there so they kind of have to find it in other pieces so the production element was supposed to be richie the speed and crashing the net and creating space ended up being bunting and it's another one of those committees but you look at the sum of all those parts and it equals a, a, a far less cap hit than what Zach Hyman got. And it all came down to business, right? I, I think if if an, a lower cap number could have been figured out, there's no question the Leafs would have kept him. And Hyman is thriving in Edmonton right now. Who knows how the end of that contract is going to look like? But for right now, he's fit in very well with Connor McDavid on the power play and, and how he's playing on even strength as well. That I, I think that it kind of worked out for both sides, but for the Maple Leafs, it's just a matter of trying to find these by committee. And maybe it helps because when you do have injuries if, when you lose someone like a Hyman, you don't have the other players to fill where if you have a bunch of other depth players who are good at those certain things, you can kind of spot and fill the gaps. And the Leafs did that when, when they had um, a change, they moved Kasha up to the top line because he has, he had shown some offensive skills. So they tried that as they moved other guys in and out of the lineup. So Uh, there is some versatility when you don't have all the skills dedicated to one guy as well.
0: Last minute of play in this podcast. Okay, David, bear with me here. Normally I end on yes guy, no guy myself, solo yes guy, no guy, but because you're here and I know you enjoy the segment, we're going to end with you doing this with me. And I'm also going to sign off the episode. So bear with me on the sign off. So yes, guy, no guy, number one, the Leafs will actually stumble when they get back to full strength
1: yes guy I think for a little bit there will you can only stumble they're so perfect right now I think there's gonna be a bit of a drop- off and there's still some challenges to this team that remain to be seen so yes guy
0: and after that stumble when they come out of that battle with adversity the lease will actually be they, they will actually be better than they are right
1: now um no mm-hmm. guy I think I think this is the best the team has been right now. I don't know. I don't know what else can happen uh, in a month where they're going to perform this well. I mean, it's a franchise record for wins in a month. Uh, they've just been lights out. They may be a better overall team and they may perform better in the playoffs. But I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if they're going to match what November was. November was especially exceptional.
0: So that's a no guy.
1: That's a no guy.
0: Okay. Yes guy, no guy. Number three. You are actually still concerned about the second pairing on the
1: least blue line. Yes, guy. I mean, they're they're playing well, their offense is starting to click, uh, but I still see some holes in Muzzin and Hall's game that could be exposed in the playoffs, and I'm not quite sure when the team is riding high how you kind of fix that. So for yeah. that reason, yes, guy.
0: I agree with you and and it's to me it's a speed thing not only foot speed but reactive speed would you agree with that
1: yeah yeah I mean there's a lot of times you're seeing Muzzin get beaten for pucks not as much lately but especially earlier in the year Uh, Hull has not necessarily looked that much better since the five game stint he's been less of a liability which is what you want from a defense from a defense but I don't think he's he's pushed the puck to the pace that we saw him do last season.
0: Okay, and the final yes guy no guy for this particular episode of Leaf Sky, I'm gonna i I'm gonna try and do it. A, a Cliff Fletcher here. Remember Draft Schmaft? I'm gonna say Tandem Schmandem. Jack Campbell is the guy. Peter is gonna come in and do his job, but Jack Campbell is the guy, so tandem schmandem.
1: Yes, guy, tandem schmandem. I, I do think that you're still gonna see Morazic get quite a few games here, but uh, I think Jack Campbell's confidence is such that he's managed to kind of build from last season and uh he hasn't really shown any sort of let up uh from from how he's performed i think he he's definitely the starter there's no question about it
0: yeah yes guy to that now hang on here i gotta sign off david thank you appreciate it you're, you're doing this from your car because you just did a COVID test
1: i did and uh, came back negative so i'm Good. ready to go back on the road um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun world we live in fun, of course, has many different definitions to it.
0: Yes. Yes. Guy to that. There's the final yes guy right there. <laughs> Hope everybody enjoyed Leaf Sky episode eight, season two. Hope you come back next week for episode nine.